Yes, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Rugby Muscle Applied podcast. I'm your host, as always, TJ. And today we are finishing off the Hypertrophy series in the Rugby Muscle Applied podcast series. Um, hopefully this will not be too disrupted as outside it seems to be. People seem to, seem to fi- figure out exactly when I go to film these videos and decide that that's when they want to do their yard work and uh, get out the heavy machinery. But seems like we're not too disrupted, so we're going to go ahead and go through special techniques and focuses for your muscle gain. And this, um, as the last episode of the Hypertrophy series, really rounds out exactly what you should be doing for your uh, hypertrophy training. And really, you know, it, it puts into focus what you should be looking at and, and how rugby or how hypertrophy really is achieved and how it benefits you for rugby. So without further ado, let's get into it. Um, As I said, today we're going to be looking at, you know, a bit more of an overview, we're sort of rounding off the series here. So we're looking at the biggest principle that you must accept for hypertrophy, one that seems to get lost quite a lot, where your focus should be, and specifically three situations where it gets lost. Um, hypertrophy situations for rugby, special training techniques where they actually can be used, special food circumstances where they can be used, um, and then some sort of closing thoughts on the whole pursuit of hypertrophy um, and what it looks like here in the landscape of 2021. So first and foremost, this is the biggest principle that you must understand for hypertrophy, for muscle growth, right? It is a long process. It's never happened in a case of weeks. Um, At first, when you first go to train and you go from zero, you know, no sessions, no training sessions to two a week even, um, that is an infinite amount of uh, progress, right? So yes, that's when you get your quote-unquote newbie gains. That's when you make significant progress. Everyone knows that, like it's almost, it's funny that you look at the evidence-based trainer crowd and you see that these guys almost throw out most studies uh, that are done on newbies because it doesn't really matter what you do to someone that hasn't trained before, they'll make progress and they'll make really good progress. And, you know, especially if you're doing something that's actually worth your time and it's actually a good training like regime, then you're going to be able to gain a lot of muscle tissue within that first year. However, um, that isn't, even then, it doesn't happen in a case of weeks. It happens over a case of months right and that's the first picture here that you see um it's uh ex-client james from rugby muscle elite this was over the course of over well over three months makes really good progress but again he comes he's come from a background where before this picture he hadn't done too much weight training then it becomes a process of years as you see the picture of me in the middle that was um a, a, a full year's difference and again coming from a background even then where i'd stopped training quite a while and and um it definitely had was more about regaining lost muscle. Uh, go uh, read the blog and watch the video pro, uh, podcast about that if you want more information. Um, and then you look at Jason Momoa, where it's a case of decades. So you don't see this when you look at the before and after pictures. How, the, you know the time frame, and even when you see it, it's very difficult to grasp. But it's a before and after, yes. But these two pictures, especially of Jason Momoa, they are two decades apart. And so you can look at Jason Moana, yeah, he's massive and looks really like in good shape, but 
how long has it taken him to achieve that muscle gain? How long has it taken him to get there? Um, it's, you know, it is a case of decades. And you look at natural bodybuilders and you look at people that, um, you know, even then you get uh, that try to gain muscle for years and years and years. Those are the people that, um, you know, it, they, they are, they train perfectly or, or as close to perfect as they can, as consistently as they can over the course of decades before they really see like big meaningful progress in their physiques. Uh, and like, that for them is is phenomenal. It's like amazing that they've been able to do that. But it sort of hammers home the point that, you know, this muscle gaining thing isn't something that happens fast. And, you know, there's even some science crowds where uh, in universities and some legit lecturers that actually argue that you might not even be able to gain any muscle after your first few years of lifting. And you, you see that because it's such a small uh, process. Like, for example, if you were to gain two kilos over the course of 10 years, like how do you what do you divide that over each year or each month? It's like almost you don't see it. So that's how long this process takes. And sometimes you forget that. Like if you take a eighty kilo uh, physique and then turn it into a ninety kilo physique, that's ten kilograms, and that is a massive noticeable difference. And to do even in, if you do that in two years, like you break it down month by month, and that's not anything that is amazingly like. Uh, uh, revolutionary it's not a huge change on a month by month basis but it's a huge change over time though it's like a completely different person you look at one person that was 80 kilograms and one person that was 90 kilograms they will look like two different people and so once you understand that this brings this sort of focus to light and it makes you really understand that like when you look at meal timings and supplements like it doesn't make sense that you have to eat within 10 minutes of finishing your training otherwise you don't like grow your muscle when well, if your muscle's gained, like, or if your muscle is built, like, over the course of months and months and months and years and years and years, do you really think that, like, there is no way you can gain muscle if you don't eat within 10 minutes of your, your workout or if you don't have an intra-workout shake or if you, you know, like, it, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, it only really makes sense when you look at the supplement industry and you realize that the supplement industry fun funds most of the fitness industry, right? The supplement industry is like a multi, multi-million or billion dollar, I think, industry. It's, it is huge. And they then just reinvest into the fitness industry because the supplement margins are so, the profit margins on supplements are so huge for the most part. They then just keep recycling themselves and they'll sponsor another fitness athlete and they'll keep going again. Um, and it's almost like a never-ending cycle where supplements fund the athletes who then fund the supplements because they, they promote more supplement sales. And then even the athletes themselves start to get into the supplement industry because they see how lucrative it can be. And if you look at one of the original supplements, which is Metrex and the, the original whey protein powders, they were made, um, you know, because they're cheap, right? Because it's, it's, it's usually a waste product when people are making cheese. It's a waste product that, that isn't really used within the dairy. It's kind of, it's, it's thrown out. But it's pure protein and it's cheap. It also digests fast. So then they came up with the fact that, you know, if you can get it in, it's easily digestible and it makes it an easy, um, uh, easy to get the protein within your system within, well, it's not minutes, but that's what they'll try and tell you. And that means you're fast digest. It means you start the recovery process as soon as you finish your training. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. And um, really, if you just have four to five servings a day, um, 
of protein, then your 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 bases are covered, right? Because you've probably you know if you have four to five servings throughout the day and you train at some point in the day, there's a good chance that you've got a good pre workout meal and a good post workout meal. And if you don't, I mean, even if you train fasted, it's not the end of the world. I wouldn't say it's ideal, but not the end of the world. As long as you have a post workout meal, then I think you're absolutely fine. And again, if you think about when does muscle actually get built, it's it's not as they will say that anabolic window, right? It's not within those uh, that one hour of training when they've actually done the science on it. There is an anabolic window; it does exist, but it's like a day, <laughs> so it's just unnecessary to really worry too much about your meal timing. Worry too much about any supplements. Like you think about how long, like what you have to put in place to gain muscle over the course of years or decades. It's not whether you took XYZ supplement or not. It's whether you did all of the other big rocks instead. That's kind of the point of this video. It's kind of also uh, illustrated when we look at special training techniques, right? They do have a place, and we're going to discuss them in this video. But more important is consistent lifting, your bread and butter training, your big lifts, your big heavy compound lifts that we say time and time again you need to be doing on the Rugby Muscle YouTube channel um, and on the podcast. Your big lifts, getting enough sets in, getting enough volume for for each muscle group or for whatever muscle group you want to develop. That's it. That's that is the main part of where you're going to get hypertrophy from, right? Not only that, but when you're doing special techniques, you're doing a different crazy technique every week. Like you're not gaining, you're not gaining muscle within the days or the or even that session, right? When does well, again? When does muscle growth happen? It doesn't happen within that session. So doing that funky technique isn't going to boost your growth within that session. It's That's not how it works. If anything, I would argue that it, it counteracts your growth because it's difficult to manage that progress. If you're doing a different um, technique every week, how do you know that you're, you're increasing that, um, you know, that you're increasing the stimulus? You don't. Um, and then you don't know if you're making any progress until maybe a few years later and you look in the mirror and you realize, or you look at an old picture and you realize you haven't made any progress because all you've done is stupid special techniques. And then you've lost a few years in your training efforts. Like, what a shame that would be. Whereas if you're actually doing your meat and potatoes training and you're you're looking at adding weight each week or adding reps each week, slowly adding progress, you know you're adding stimulus. So by all de- by every definition, you should be gaining muscle from that. That in itself is motivating and keeps you going. And I think that's a really important part of training that most people don't discuss anywhere near often enough. But I also think it's something that like keeps you in check, right? You don't have to wait for three years to look on an old picture to see if you're making progress. You can just look at last three weeks or even a month ago and go, oh, how was I performing on that lift? Oh, excellent. I'm I, I'm five reps stronger on this lift. I'm making progress. I can stick with it. Or you look back and you see, oh, I've kept at this same uh, exact rep, you know, I've kept 100 kilos on this deadlift for 10 reps for the last six weeks. Maybe I'm not making progress, but then you can also look back and see maybe your technique's got better, whatever. So many different ways that you can see progress if you're just focused on meat and potatoes training that are very difficult when you're doing, you know, funky different movement techniques and uh, partials and forced reps, all this sort of stuff. 
doesn't really make sense. Hi guys, I just wanted to jump in here to tell you that if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to become a better athlete, then you can go ahead and visit rugby-muscle.com and pick up any of our free goodies. That is uh, the 50 free rugby conditioning sessions, the physique nutrition crash course video series, the supplement guide, and newly added is a macro calculator. Yes, that's right, a macro calculator where you will be able to work out your protein, carbs, fat, and calories that you should be eating on a daily basis to give you a guide as to where to start your diet from. This will help in conjunction with your 50 free conditioning sessions to build you out a decent little plan that will enable you to take control of your training and use effective training and nutrition to become a better athlete. All that stuff and more can be found at rugby-muscle.com or rugby-muscle.com forward slash macros for the macro breakdown. If you're looking for more information on what to do for your rugby training, again, I would suggest remembering that rugby physical preparation pyramid. The playlist is on YouTube. I'll try and put it up in the cards above, but it might just be in the show notes below. So check out the rugby physical preparation pyramid, of course, for where you should be really focusing your training. And then the other thing that I think people get messed up with their focus is, you know, um, gaining muscle as fast as possible, gaining as much as possible as soon as they can. You know, I think... If you look at my guidelines I gave in a previous, in one of the previous videos of Rugby Muscle Applied, once two kilos a month was like what I said for um, intermediate trainees, you know, one kilo or so a month for advanced trainees, that's 12 to 24 kilograms a year. Like I said, that's a new person if that was would to be all muscle. So we all know that that's probably not going to be all muscle. It's going to be some fat, but you would strip that off and hopefully make significant gains. But the idea here is that like, if you're making that slow, steady progress, you're able to stay in the game as much as possible. You're not gaining so much fat that you're potentially having to consistently cut, which is what I addressed in the last video. You, you, you know, you're giving yourself more time in the year to gain muscle, but you're also not pushing the boat out and not going crazy in excess where you might pick up an injury and gain less, you know, or spend less time gaining muscle over your lifetime because you're having to rehab an injury, right? If you're, yeah, if you're constantly pushing uh, joints that are sort of aching and stuff, there's a good chance that that will flare up and hold you back. And you, rather than just hold back a little bit and focus more on meat and potato training, you're saying, no, I've got to go to failure every time I've got to go to failure. And then you hurt your knee and then you spend six months without being able to efficiently train your lower body. So, you know, what would be the wiser approach? Taking a step back and spending as much time in your training career as possible in that muscle gaining zone or you know within the capacity to train hard or would it be getting the most out of every single session i know what is the one that i take and i know what the one i choose for the my rugby muscle elite and team rugby muscle athletes it's being practical right it's it's also um with that being practical it's also thinking about your future right yeah, if you add a set every single week for indefinitely, eventually you're going to be doing five-hour-long training sessions that just aren't applicable. And if you're having to do so much training volume or, or eat so much food volume that it's just making you miserable, again, you've got a question like, what is the purpose for that? Is it because you want to gain as much muscle in this session or this week or this month? Or, you know, because that to me is the only reason you would do that. Whereas if you look at, you know, what happens after that? What happens if you're, if you're training or if you're having to eat 5,000 calories and you're absolutely miserable eating that amount in order to get to a, a certain musculature? 
what happens once you reset musculature? How do you how do you maintain it? it? Becomes still difficult, right? For the most part, it's unnecessary. Really, the focus should be on staying in the game as long as possible. And then, when we're looking at hypertrophy for rugby, there are special techniques sometimes that people talk about using. You know, eccentrics, which is the lowering portion, or isometrics, which is a static lift. Um, which is a bit of an oxymoron, but if you're pushing against a static object or you're holding a weight in a position, those are your isometrics. I think they're great for strength and for rugby purposes to help increase movement or um, <clears throat> get stronger in certain movement planes or, or, or build out your core, and they can facilitate growth. I think that's how I would use them. I'm not a big fan of using them uh, specifically for growth because I think they cause a lot more damage than just your meat and potatoes lifts. I think they're difficult to set up and they're difficult to load, difficult to manage. Again, when we're talking about that increase in progress week to week to week, yes, you can you know extend the time out for isometrics, but it's difficult to judge that volume. Uh, I just think it's unnecessary. Now, you'd still do that as part of your whole training program, maybe more in a strength phase or in a in a in a in a, in a special prep phase, in a, in a rugby-specific phase, you would still be doing your eccentrics and isometrics, and I think that's enough of the box that needs to be ticked for that. Then when you're looking at work capacity and volume, aerobic work's going to make you fitter. It's also going to make you, you know, which is really good for rugby, of course, um, and I think increasing your work capacity would be good. It's, it also allows you to um, handle your excess weight, so if you are gaining muscle at the t- as you are gaining weight, even then, you, technically, you know, it would be like if you gained five kilograms and, and played a new game, it'd be like you're running around with a five kilogram weighted vest. So the more aerobic work you can do at the heavier weight means you can handle that extra heavier weight better. And it also means that you can do more volume in your training in a less in a in a more efficient time, right? If you are really, really unfit and it takes you five, six, seven minutes to recover from a set and being able to do it again, it might take you 20 minutes to do three or four sets. Whereas someone that's a bit more fit takes one minute rest period and just bangs out set, set upon set upon set. They're going to be that much fitter. They're going to be able to, you know, increase their volume that much more and get through that much more work in their training session. So it has benefits both for rugby and for hypertrophy. That's where these things sort of cross over and are really good. The other thing is obviously the bigger muscle that you have, the more glycogen storage you can have. So the more potential long term uh, energy uh, you will have obviously you will then burn more energy because you're bigger but it's still pain it is still something that you know you are able to store a little bit more energy and should be able to go for a little bit longer and then in terms of um your special it shouldn't this has gone too far here we go special techniques for rugby tra- or for muscle gaining there are a ton and they will have they do have a place and you know i will use them in team rugby muscle and in rugby muscle elite but no, not for no reason and not to gain muscle as fast as possible. It's to, for, you know, for practical actual applications. Not, and it's really important that you understand this. They're not just used for variety or for fun. Like you can do that, but as I've said, it should not be replacing your meat and potatoes training. If you're short on time, you can absolutely keep your, re- um, you can keep your rest fairly low. As I said earlier, even if you're unfit, you can accept a small rep drop, so you would start maybe at 10 reps and then it would go to 6 or 4 because you would just rest such a little time. You'd still get enough stimulus for hypertrophy. You could also do supersets. Um, 
and rather you would do supersets with opposing muscle groups so you know you could do push uh bench press and pull up supersets or you could even just rest 30 seconds between each exercise therefore the muscle that you're working gets a longer rest but systemically you don't and you save on time again it requires a level of fitness but it's a really good idea i wouldn't do too many supersets with the same muscle groups um it, I just think that people are so focused on that and it, what it does is ends up taking away from the, you know, they, they do both exercises and they don't get the benefit really of either of them. You know, people that do uh, bench press into flies straight away and I just think, why not just concentrate on getting really good on your bench press and then really good on your flies? Like, I, I think that it's, again, it's sort of done out of scarcity and trying to get, gain the most muscle out of every single exercise as opposed to just getting your training done. Mile reps and cluster sets, very similar. Short rest periods, um, really well done if you can program them properly. Uh, mile reps where you take about 10-second breaks in between sets rather than doing um, you know, your traditional two to three minutes or one to three minutes. Really, really good way to get in some extra volume, get in some extra effective reps for hypertrophy. If you're injured and can't use weights, then we can look at pre-exhaust ta uh, tactics so you can isolate a muscle, then do a compound lift so you don't have to lift as heavy really good tactic. Um, my reps again can work if you're injured. You could do a really light set, fatigue that muscle and, and bang out some extras. Clues and training can really can work for this if you're really injured or if you can't use heavy weights. Um, can work. People, like because it's quite cool and quite painful, tend to replace their meat and potatoes training sometimes with the occlusion one. But again, that's not the idea of these special techniques. These special techniques are for a specific purpose in place. If you need to get in more work and you don't have too much time, down sets can work quite well. Like So you would do three sets on a certain weight, lower by 10 to 15 to 20%, and you would do another three sets or two or three sets, and that way you get in enough effective volume without just systemically crushing you. Really good. Giant sets can work quite well um, if you are doing full body workout. So you just essentially... Um, work the full body and you would go from a pushing movement to a pulling movement to a lower body movement and you would just rotate they're really good if you want to get aerobic work in at the same time um and then my reps as well i've uh, said about eccentrics and isometrics so i'm not going to uh, expand upon that here and really that's it for special techniques right it's 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 really obvious when once i've laid that out like where they should be used where they are practically used and then it goes very much against where people use them. You know, countless drop sets, countless supported reps, and it just doesn't make sense. Here is when you should be using them. Um, here is effective ways to use special techniques. Special circumstances for eating don't come about too often. Um, I do definitely think if you go back to hypertrophy 103, the habits are maintained like long term. It's a thing that if you do it day in, day out, you're probably going to get better results. Um, but you can allow for some fun if you're really disciplined, if you need to as well. Like if you see here, I've used the averages in a different way that I did from 103 in this picture where, you know, we've had, we all we do is have two higher calorie days and they bring up our average calories to a little bit higher. I mean, we don't have to force feed ourselves every day. It can be a very good tactic, can allow for some extra fun, can allow for more convenience. Um, it, I'm not a big fan of... I was, and I've, this is something I've really changed my mind upon, is um, you know, your heavier lifting and your harder lifting days necessarily need to be supported by excess calories. If we, um, and this is the point at the bottom here, you know, if you think about when does a muscle grow, like 
potentially there's an argument to uh, have excess calories on your, you know, on a non-training day because that's when you're trying to grow. Um, so, you know, but then you would look at, well, you're actually more inactive on your rest days. It doesn't really matter. It just would be more where, wherever is more convenient. Sometimes people just like eating more on a day that they train harder. That's absolutely fine. If you're short on time and hunger, you can look at cereals, powders, you know, your glucose powders or your protein powders, whatever, and bars. Like, just use those for convenience. But um, you don't want to get into the crutch of having too many protein bars or too many powders all the time. I think, again, it's a long-term habit that you need to get into is probably just eating a little bit more or eating at that baseline that's going to slowly increase your muscle because you want to stick at this for a really long time. And as I've mentioned already, the special circumstances around training aren't overly necessary. They, they might be necessary if you have multiple training, but I got ahead of myself there because I've, I've, I've laid it out. You should eat enough around training just to make sure that you're training well. And if you've got multiple sessions in a day, then how you how you would eat to train well would, would be that you would eat sufficiently after your first training session between your two training sessions. Um, you know, And that's enough. That covers your bases pretty much as much as you need. Again, if you think about when does a muscle grow, it becomes more obvious about how you should be eating around training. It's not, your muscle doesn't grow during the training session, doesn't grow within that first hour, grows over a long-term process. It's a really long-term thing that you're looking at here. And yes, I'm probably beating a dead horse and I'm repeating myself time and time again, but these are the points that need to be hammered home rather than all the other uh, crazy hype. Um, and I think it's easy to get misled when it comes to muscle gain, when we look at pictures, you know, like, for example, here you've got this picture of the South African squad. They all look jacked. But then when you look at it a little bit closer, right, Cheslin Colby's like right at the front of this picture looking absolutely massive, right? But we know Cheslin Colby's not massive. So, it you know, a lot of fitness influencers, like they're five foot four, and that's not a knock against them. But pictures can be illusional. And they, you know, it's really important that you don't look at a big physique and you aspire to be that. Just aspire to be a couple kilos heavier every year and maintain you know, grow muscles at your the rate that you can. Again, even in this picture, like the actual real big guys on the South African squad, they're hidden in the back there because they're not as ripped and it just makes for a better picture. And this is so much about the fitness industry is illusion, lighting, and, and hype. And if you avoid that stuff, if you avoid falling into these traps, you're able to stay on a long-term muscle gaining training life, right? Because that's what it takes in order to build the physique that you want. Um, and that's what it takes to really consistently over the long term gain muscle and gain more effective muscle uh, and you know have a good relationship with the gym and, and make significant progress that people will notice. That's the end of the Rugby Muscle Applied series for hypertrophy. We'll move on to another one next week. But thank you guys so much for watching and listening. As usual, thumbs up, please. Really does help out the YouTube algorithm. Comments below also helps even more. Share it with a friend. Um, Five-star reviews on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you in the next one. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode of the Rubber Muscle Podcast, then I've got a quick little request and a potential prize giveaway for you if you do said request. All I want you to do is go to Apple Podcasts and type up a five-star review. Just your general opinions of the podcast would be great feedback. 
but also helps us reach higher rankings, get more exposure, allow me to attract more guests and devote more time to developing a better all-around podcast experience for you. All you have to do once again is go and give us a five-star review on whatever podcast service you use. Let me know that you've got it. And then every single week, I'll be selecting one review to give away a free prize. That free prize will be either one free month of Team Rugby Muscle. That's our world-class strength condition program app delivered directly to your phone. Or if that doesn't interest you, then we've got one free consultation where I'll, I'll go over your training program, your nutrition, and advise you how to best plan for your goals. Even if none of those things interest you, it's still doing me a solid and helping the podcast grow by going and giving us a five-star review. There's no real excuse. It takes like one minute and that helps the show out exponentially. So I'd really appreciate if you could do that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you in the next one.